of my adventures. I went on and on, yapping into the recording machine and, in turn, hearing his talk of ever bigger rewards. Until, by God, I even finished the entire little bighorn fight, and suddenly I was struck by the feeling that the son of a bitch intended to squeeze me dry of every incident in my entire long life before beginning his book or books, newspaper or magazine versions, movies, lecture series, and the rest of the plans he had for us, or paying me one red cent. Now, I had taken Snell as somebody with the character of a chicken feather, but he turned out to be amazingly willful when I finally told him I wouldn't do no more talking. He begged, he howled, he moaned, he once even wept real tears, and when none of that worked, he turned ugly, which in his case meant bringing up the matter of lawsuits, because according to him, though neither of us ever signed anything written on paper, what I had spoke onto the tapes constituted a so-called oral contract recognized by any court in the land. Now, starting as a little kid, I survived every peril life had to offer. But I tell you, there's one kind of menace that paralyzes me with fear. I mean a lawyer. I would say more, but one might get hold of this tape and sue me for my comment, and of course win, because the lawyers who invented the system made sure of one fact above all. The judges, too, would be lawyers. You might think Snell had me by the short ones at this point, but I've hung on through the years by means of more than dumb luck. I'm naturally devious, so much so that had I been born and bred in other circumstances, I would probably have become a lawyer. In no time at all, I come up with the perfect scheme to get Snell out of my life. My death. I mean a fake one. In the first place, he always figured at my age my days was close numbered, which is why he worked me so hard, trying to get everything down on the tapes before I croaked. All I would have to do to pull off such a stunt is get the people that run the home to back it up. And that was easier than you might think, for the reason that Snell had been able to spend so much time with me in defiance of the ordinary rules all such institutions have against the inmates doing anything but eat, sleep, dump, and die long before they're old as me, was that Snell was supposed to persuade his dad, this influential man, to find more funds for the place. I know for a fact that that hadn't yet happened, and from what Snell made known to me about his father's opinion of his pursuits, I was pretty sure it would never occur. I made my case to the fella in charge of the section where they kept me, man name of Teague, who was by profession a doctor specializing in mental matters, what I prefer to call by the old term, alienist because they tend to find things normal that are actually weird, and vice versa. And probably that is the reason why they are so easy to lie to. Boy, says I, 
and if you think he ever took offense at being so addressed, you would be wrong, because, after money, Teague's great concern in life was age, and not in the sense of the inmates in the old folks' home, but rather his own, given his interest in the young girl volunteers who helped out at the home after school, he being in his late forties, with a spoiled daughter gone off to college and a wife sneering at him with little mean eyes from a picture mounted on his desk. Boy, I says, you just listen to me for once. I've been trying to tell my story around here for years, and nobody, including you, believed me. Then this fella Snell shows up and does. That's what's important about him. What's crap is that he's ever going to do anything for me, or you. You just get hold of his daddy and ask if he ever heard of you or your enterprise. And if he